Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Welcome to episode 171 of Smart Enough to Know Better, where a podcast of science, comedy, and ignorance. I am Greg Waugh. I'm Dan Beeston. And in this episode of Smart Enough to Know Better, we're going to get abreast of a topic. And we're going to talk about the most shit astronomers. Also, you'd better steal yourselves. But before we get there, Gregoire, what has happened to you this week in science? Oh my goodness, Dan. Oh my goodness. It's been a week of science for the Gregoire, let me tell you. It's been very exciting. Can I just tell I, you? I, ha- I, I, if this is a prelude to you, like you've decided to save your own pee, like I'm, I'm, I'm well, concerned. We look, look, hold that thought. We will come back to pee later in the podcast. Oh, I can't wait. My week of science has been really interesting. Let me tell you about the end of 2020 for Gregoire. It was, it was a thing, Dan. It was a damn thing. Go on then. I was having some back problems uh, from running and I was getting some pain, not just localized pain when from running, but, but lower back pain. So I thought I'll go to a physiotherapist and I will get them to manipulate things. It's like a chiropractor, but a doctor. Ah, don't, 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 no, but not a shaman. No, exactly. Why, why would you poison my energy right now? Why, Dan, why, why would you do that? Sorry. Sorry. Does my pain make you smile? It does. Look at him. Look at him grinning away. No, I just love the colour your aura goes. <laughs> <laughs> Black with rage. Anyway, went to a physiotherapist and I found out a few things. He did all these physical tests on me and I'm always a bit funny about those because the pains and aches and injuries I've had. And she was like, hey, bend this way and you know, touch your toes. Could touch my toes. Very surprising. A potato that can touch its toes. It's very exciting. And, and bend this way, bend that way. Then she went, bend backwards. So I bent backwards. I can't believe you could touch your toes. I'm so so under like muscular tension at all times. I can barely touch someone else's toes. <laughs> so I bent backwards at my waist, and and the, I heard the physiotherapist go, "Oh, let's make a noise." Oh, what's what 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 what's going on? And she went, "Oh, you went right over backwards. You, you, your face pointed behind you." And I went, "Yeah, that's bending over backwards." And she went, "You're hypermobile." And I went, "Sorry." You're hypermobile of your spine, which I find hilarious because my body is a is a one yes, big rigid pole. You've always told me that you've got four or five vertebrae that are just fused together, yes, right? with, with like yeah. like a like an opal. <laughs> but down, which I do, my my spine. You've seen me dance. I it's a whole thing at the base, at the hips. I just bent over like a hinge and and right. stared back. And spent, spent, uh, uh, stared backwards. And she went, I'm not just going to write hypermobile. She went, you're hypermobile plus plus. And I went, okay, that's that's a thing I've learned about my body. That's really weird. And, and so went, all, yay. And she went, so all the other vertebrae are trying to compensate for the five that don't work. <laughs> just like, uh, and, and I went, is that great? And she went, oh, no, no, it's terrible. It's probably why you have all the back problems. Right, yeah. <laughs> all your muscles have to hold you in place. Your spine's like, she, but if you'd been caught as a youngster doing that, then you, you could have been a gymnast. And I was like, oh, and in the alternate universe, it's like a beautiful version of Greg dancing with the Russian ballet. Oh, it's such, a, such an exciting thought. Anyway, she did the exam and she said, yes, what I think has happened is your muscles are trying to overcompensate. Let's work out which muscles. She made me lie on my front and she's like, okay, 
and you know how hard it is not to make jokes when someone's expecting your butt. Like it's really difficult. Like I, I have a habit of nervously making jokes. So she's like, "Oh, your gluteus maximus are really good," and you're like, "Don't say it. Don't say it." She's a professional lady. Don't do this. And you're like, "Oh, damn it! Don't make stop making bumps." Uh, it was really hard. But in my in my mind, there was lots of. Good she she must have heard almost every one, but yes. you're a professional, like you. <laughs> yes, I didn't. I didn't say anything, and she's like, you "No, know, well, your gluteus maximus, and she went, they're the ones that you push off on. They're, they're your pushing muscles for walking. They're great. She went, well done on that. You, you, your, your gluteus maximus are really good. Once again, I'm like, edit, 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 self edit, self edit, say nothing. Oh, thank you very much. I God, moisturize. <laughs> I like to shave them. Like two lovely peaches. Anyway, and then she's sort of feeling around a bit and she goes, oh, your gluteus minimus are really good as well. And they're the ones that, you know, when men are manspreading, like you, you manspread your legs wide, yes. they're the muscles that allow you to manspread. They, they rotate your, your, your legs outwards. And she goes, those muscles, great. Too much manspreading, obviously, or something. I don't know, but I, my muscles are great. My gluteus medians are garbage. And what your gluteus medians do is they wobble your hips back and forth. They're the ones that stop you from tipping over sideways, basically. And my gluteus medians are just, she said, they're almost atrophied. Like, they're just not doing, they're just like, we don't exist. Mm. So it's like, okay. And that's probably why when you're running, your hips are trying to go sideways because the muscles aren't holding into Other muscles are desperately trying to hold it all in place. And so I lie on your back so she can get on the front. And she's sort of feeling around my abdomen. And she's like, oh, yeah, here we go. There's a square of muscle that connects your top half to your bottom half. Oh, yep. And she said, okay, she went, oh, these are very unhappy. She goes, I can feel unhappy these muscles are. Your abdomen muscles are working far too strong, far too well or far too much to hold you upright when you run and when you walk. They shouldn't be doing that. It's not what they're there for. They're for looking cool in bathers and for rippling at people. That's what they're only. That's all they're there for. Is this really a physio, or was this a like a horny Cairo? Because <laughs> no, no, that's just that was just my addition. She didn't. Oh, say any I see. Of this. I see. She didn't say any of that. No, but she okay. did say about the square of muscle. Sorry, I should say she was very professional and was great. I'm just being silly now. And so she goes, "Okay, we'll work on the muscles that are in your abdomen, and we'll we'll release the pressure." So she starts digging into my the ones on my right hand side, and I'm like, "Ooh." Ooh, that, mmm, doctor, doctor, that really, yeehaw. And she's like, yep, I'm really sorry, that hurts. It's that special noise you make for a professional to go, look, if you're expecting that sometimes this hurts, I just want you to be aware that that's what's happening now. And she's like, that's, I'm very sorry. I can can hold it in. I'm manly enough to hold it in. But I just want to make sure that we're communicating to each other that (laughs) I want this to stop immediately. Very much so. Um, And she's like, I'm very sorry, but I'm going to work in here. And she released the pressure slightly, but she kept working on it. And I was like, oh, that thinking happy thoughts. And she sort of manipulates it. And she does about a couple of minutes on that. And she goes, okay, now I'll do the left-hand side. She goes around the table and she reaches her fingers into my abdomen and ho oh, ho ho Dan ho oh, ho, 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 ho exciting times. Your erection? And, but, but, an what? erection? No what? No. No what? sorry. No what? No. What? Please no. no, please continue. I was lots of pain. No, no, no. You wow, I said, I've learned something. That's that's weird. <laughs> lots of like, like serious pain. And and I'm yeah. like, oh and she and, and she's yeah. like, oh I didn't think so. <laughs> You're a bad man. And she <laughs> She's, I'm sorry, and she pulls back a bit, and, and but she's still manipulating. And then something weird happens. She said, "The pain is expected. I'm sorry to hurt you, but just get, we'll get this done." And then this nausea happened. I started feeling nauseous, like, as if I'd been drinking, like that sort of nausea, like drinking too much or food poisoning, that sort of nausea. Your body's like, "Did I accidentally eat pain?" 
I'm yes. going to get rid of that. <laughs> yes. And I, and I told her, I'm sorry, it's some nausea. And she went, oh, that's, that's, she went, that's, that's expected. And said so she was, and she backed off a little bit more. And then, and then she kept doing it. And then she went, and then I went, oh no, wait, wait, wait. And I started getting more nausea, like gr- big nausea, like, like I'm going to vomit nausea. Like it, be aware we're going to vomit. And I started to get sparkles in my eyes, like, 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 like eye motes. Like, and I told like, this and like she was like, Sailor Moon. Yes. And, and all my clothes fell off and I was in a little girl's outfit. It was great. That's, that didn't happen. Professional, Dan, professional. She thought, she went, oh, that's not good. Sit up. Can you sit up very slowly? She sat, sat up and she said, how do you feel? And I went, oh, not, not good. And the nausea kept coming in waves and worse and worse. It didn't stop. Worse and worse. And I'm like, oh, no, this is really bad. This is really bad. And I was sweating, flop sweat, just sweat coming off me. Had it like breathing in it. She went, <laughs> what did you say? Um, Breathe in like you're in labor. And I went, I don't have children. Always with jokes. Always with the jokes. So, also, like, a, a womb. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that too. That was the, that was kind of the joke, Dan. But I was, but also at the time, I was like, "Make a crack." We're also dying. Uh, this be my last words. I hope the joke's good. <laughs> so, so I sort of said, and then hope it's not a dad to- joke. Yes, yeah, oh god, yes. Anyway, long story short, I technically pass out. I go over sideways. I I don't think I lost consciousness, though they say I did. I and they're probably I, in a better situation they, to judge it too. <laughs> But I, like, I didn't lose consciousness, but the whole room suddenly flipped. No, <laughs> I I did close my eyes, but it was I I I was, I was just the, resting them though. No, no, <laughs> I'm not trying to say I'm a hero. I just I have a good memory of the conversation, and, and when I think back, there were no jumps in it. So maybe that is passing out still, but I could still hear. So I wasn't unconscious. Does mm. that make sense? I, I don't think I was. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But I went over sideways, like like a sack of spuds, and. I could hear that very nice physiotherapist. She put her hand on my shoulder, and you know, you always know. Here's, a, here's something, ladies and gentlemen: when when a doctor or a medical professional starts using this voice, you're doomed. It's like ring your family, you're done. Because she was like, "Oh, um, Jenny, Jenny, can you come in, please? Uh, Mr. Robotham's had a fainting spell. Can you please call a doctor to come?" very quickly and it's, it's, it's that tone and you're like and i'm like oh i'm stuffed like i couldn't move I, I was this, like, oh, this room is already filled with terror enough so yes. i'm not gonna add to it with yes. my tone of voice <laughs> so i'm lying there going oh get up greg get up get up just get up this is not how we end this is not this is not this is not how it ends for you you okay, know I, this- I just know there's a part of your brain going get up and run out of the room yes, run sir. until no one can catch you greg <laughs> Bite their faces! Bite them! <laughs> I, like I would part. rather die under a house than be caught in a moment of weakness. Basically, <laughs> you know me well. And it's the part that gets me through. Basically, my higher brain functions will die, and there'll just be a shambling mess going, ah, through the streets until my heart See, I have out. a very different reaction, whereas, like, as soon as someone is like, let's get someone who's really qualified, I'm like, your problem now, chief. I'm just <laughs> going to lie here and bleed. Anyway, long story short, I was I lived and but I got taken, <laughs> and I got taken to a medical center. Or or half of this podcast is me having an episode. <laughs> it's like, hello, <laughs> listeners, like, you've you've turned up to the final episode of Smart Enough No Better, <laughs> where I'm processing some pretty amazingly large grief. <laughs> Oh, thank you, Dan. Anyway, I ended up at a medical center and a doctor came. A nurse gave me a lollipop. It was lovely. As she came in and she sort of looked at me and she went, here's a lollipop. And I went, oh, thank you. She went, no, get, it's, get, it's... Get the one from the special, from the special <laughs> jar, Jen. One's a special jar. Yeah. Yeah. 
or theme. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> it's just sugar to keep me going. And then the doctor came in. I love the doctor. She was a, a woman in, I don't know, 50s or 60s. I'm not too sure. Just had no fucks to give in the best possible <laughs> way. She basically was like, are you dead? No. Nah, well, you're not dead yet. You're not going to die. And, and, and it sounds really negative. But you should exactly- have come faster then if that's your... Uh- <laughs> But she, but I liked it because it made me feel that she was just like, eh, I, she, I don't want you here, basically. And I was like, I don't want to be here. So we, we are in accord. And I, re- I had a lot of a rapport with this doctor who was, and she wasn't a bad doctor. She was a good doctor. I just loved it. She wasn't trying to hold my hand. She was like, no, 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 you're fine. And they took my blood pressure and my blood pressure was so low that they decided that I wasn't fine. <laughs> I stood up to it, stand up slowly. This is like 20 minutes after the event, by the way, 20, 30 minutes. And I stood up and she's, are you feeling okay? And I was like, yeah, I feel fine. <laughs> and she's like, okay, we'll take your blood pressure. And then she's like, oh my God, your blood pressure is really low. Are you sure you're fine? I, went, I promise you I am fine. And I was fine. I was honestly fine. So that was my, that was my week in science. I felt like crap the rest of the day. I uh, really, really felt like someone had punched me in the guts and I just felt awful and got tighter and tighter and tighter. And then just to end that day, this is like the last day of the 20th, uh, to, to 20, the 2020. And then at the end of the day, as a separate story, a cat scratched my eyeball. <laughs> Which I won't go into right now. But a cat mm. stuck its claw into my sliera, the white bit of the eye, and actually has permanently ulcerated my eye forever. This is the cat that likes me too. Yeah. That was my 2020s, Dan. It wanted to was- leave you with its signature. <laughs> it, it has marked me as its property forever. Anyway, that's my uh, week in science. I have a great butt, except for one part. I have these weird muscles that try to kill me. Oh, I wanted to explain why. Sorry, because this is a science podcast. I had, I wanted to look it up. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> it wasn't just me talking about, oh, my goodness. What happened to me? I looked it up. So it's um, a very common reaction called a vasovagal uh, synecope. I probably said that wrong. The vagus nerve or the vagus nerve is overstimulated and the body's blood vessels dilate, especially those in the lower extremities. And the heart temporarily slows down. The brain is deprived of oxygen, causing the patient to lose consciousness. So the vagus nerve comes from the brain and it goes through your abdomen. It does a whole lot of stuff. It's a very important nerve that you have. And what they think happened was the physiotherapist pushing on the really angry muscles in my abdomen was pushing against that that was like i am a brick and that pushed against the organs and that upset the the vagus vagus nerves like what's going on i don't move and it just went you lie (laughs) down now and it put me on the floor basically so my vagus nerve got overstimulated and it dilated my blood vessels and dropped me like a sack of crap there you go the body's very good at making you go horizontal when it needs yes. to. Mine does it so fast. Mine, it's weird how my body goes, I'm not a person for weakness. I will go through a lot of pain and suffering and hardship. But the moment I don't. 11 years now. 11, <laughs> but the moment I don't, the moment my body goes, enough. It, there's no, okay, man, 90%, 80%, 70%, 60%. It goes 100, 100, 100, 100, zero. And then I'm out. And then it just goes, drink, drink, drink. Like when I was a younger man, drink, 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 unconscious or sleepy, not unconscious, sleepy. Uh, poke him in the abdomen, gone. It's so weird. I find it really, really interesting. So, yeah. Anyway, how was your 2020? The whole of 2020? The, oh, God. Awful. Not, just don't, awful. Don't, <laughs> Sorry. What are you doing? <laughs> What are you? I thought I'd. I thought I'd gotten rid of that pain. I've, I've sorry, repressed Dad. that. You're like, oh, we'll just rip the bandaid off that. Sorry, Dad. How about I tell you my week in science, which Please. is all 2021, baby. 
excellent. Uh, in fact, this happened yesterday. Ooh. Magpies were going rank. Yes. Popped out to the front yard. That means that means going crazy for our American listeners. Oh, yeah. Is that a... Is, oh, all right. Yeah, they're going rank. Yes. They're going... They're real a- agitated. Yes. And yep. noisy. They're vocal. Vocal. Vocal magpies. Yes. Also not real magpies. They're oh, Australian magpies, which are a type of butcher bird. Oh, but not they, actually yeah. related to an American magpie. Ah, yeah. Our magpies are bigger and meaner. Like most things in Australia. Oh, yeah. <sighs> the magpies are much more dangerous than any of the snakes and the, uh, and the spiders. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Because a snake or spider has to wait for you to make a mistake. A, a magpie will hunt you down and knock you off your bike into traffic. A magpie will remember. And they remember. They do. They remember. So at any rate, these magpies... Mm. have discovered a snake in my yard. All right. So I've got a metre and a half long snake, which I look at and go, oh, it's another python. Mm. And it was only after the fact where I saw a video of a tiger snake and went, Mm. gosh, they look a lot like pythons. Uh Uh-oh. I wonder if every python that I see in my yard is actually a a, a very safe carpet python or a very dangerous tiger snake. Uh-oh. At any rate, they, these magpies, they love getting in real close and yelling at it until it slithers away and just chasing it. Because they've got nests around and they don't want, they want, they want snakes to be unhappy whenever yes. they're near the nest. <laughs> yes. And I was like, I don't know whether I've talked about the snakes in my neighborhood on the podcast before. I don't think you have. I don't you met, yeah, I don't think so. Because this isn't the first time we've had a python in the yard. I've seen a a decent size, a two-meter-long python, like near the house a couple of years ago, and there were there was another one that was about that long up in the tree in our yard. And then it, over the last six months or last four months, they have just gone nuts at our place. Ooh. We have had half a dozen snakes in our yard in a four-month duration. Do you think it's got something to do with the climate or drying out or them looking for prey away from their wetlands? I think there's definitely more rodents in the neighborhood at the moment ah okay but yes something so, about the something about this year has made the pythons real keen to hang out yeah or snakes in general yes and so one day i hear this pee 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 and the birds are going nuts and i rush out into the living room and on the window of <laughs> our li- living room which is shut Mm-hmm. there is a snake bigger than any snake I've ever seen. And I call to the frog princess and she runs out, looks at it, screams Uh-oh. and runs back into her bedroom. <laughs> but moments later runs out with a camera and runs right up to it. Nice. So that is a woman to marry, ladies that's, and gentlemen. That's true. So if I, anything happens to me, form an orderly queue. <laughs> this snake is over three meters long. Wow! It is the the thickness of my forearm or wider because my forearm is. I'm a very weedy guy. Like <laughs> this is a thick snake, thick and snake, it climbs yes. up the window, using its body to sort of brace against frames and stuff, and then climbs up onto the roof and vanishes. No, which is horrifying. So it lives in your roof, then. Basically, you have a you have an upstairs tenant. We haven't heard snake noise from upstairs, so they <laughs> they tend to move around. We've des- definitely seen another snake go up into the roof, so I assume they're taking care of our rats and then moving, making going on their way again. You, you used to have possum problems, but not anymore. Not it sounds anymore. Like. <laughs> not anymore. I don't know why she swallowed the fly. Yeah. Perhaps she'll die. <laughs> well, I, I didn't eat the possum. 
just like no, no, no. no. What I'm saying is the I house didn't... ate a possum. Now that it ate oh, a snake. Oh, I see. The snake ate the house ate. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yes. Now the interesting thing though is that these birds that mm. started squealing, but to alert me, I'm like, I've never heard a bird sound like that before, and mm. ran out. Snake. Every time the snake turns up, birds go friggin' nuts for it. Mm. Like they they keep pee 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 pee, and it's happened so often now that I'm recognizing this as an alarm call. Mm. A snake alarm call. A, that's just the thing. Yeah. I'm recon- I'm I can now distinguish most Whoa. of the time for the noisy miners, especially between a snake alarm call and a cat alarm call. Oh my goodness, which you, are you very speak- very similar. You can speak noisy minor. I can speak noisy minor. Yeah, well, at least understand it. You can't speak it, I guess. Yes, and I thought there was a snake on, in the tree nearby the other day, and raced out and had a closer look. Tawny frog mouths. Oh, so the uh, the noisy miners were yelling at the tawny frog mouths as well. Yes, uh, that's a different alarm though. Uh, well, it sounded really close to the snake one, but it, I bet it's different, but just in a way that I haven't worked out yet. I wonder if it's not the animal. But the location of the animal. So one of the birds are saying, there's something on the ground, look on the ground. Or they're saying, something's in a tree, look in a tree. That's an interesting question, because I did actually find some research from, I think, the Wollongong University, where they were studying whether the pitch of the alarm call brought in more noisy miners. Mm-hmm. Because they were their theory was that young noisy miners would get more help than older noisy miners or adult okay. ones, but that was that didn't appear to be the case. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they're, all their calls. I mean, there are some there are animals that can call out uh, different colours of humans in shirts. So they'll say the the red human, and there'll be a different call to someone in a green shirt, or because they can work. They, there's yeah, there are birds that can do that, not just animals. There are birds that can do that as well. So yeah. they definitely have different calls. Meerkats can do it. Meerkats can talk about hawks or snakes mm. or scorpions they can give different alarm calls i'm led to believe that there are even some birds that can tell you how many pieces of eight you're carrying <laughs> <laughs> we've discussed race gender and climate change but now gregoire are you ready to get cancelled <laughs> Look, I've been waiting. It's been 11 years, Dan. It's been 11 years. Every time I'm like, this is the one. This is the one. But we always manage to dodge under the radar. Not this time, Gregoire, because I'm about to wade into the most dangerous topic on the internet. It's time to talk about breastfeeding. Oh, okay, cool. It's time to sift through the misinformation and explain calmly and rationally to all mothers why their decisions are <laughs> contaminating their beloved miracles. Oh, no. Just what the world needs. Two childless middle-aged men talking about breastfeeding. We're the best people to discuss it because everyone else biased by emotion. Oh, and, and Flooded and, uh... with love chemicals that cloud their minds to the correct course of action in parenting. Oh, God, help us. So, yes. Okay. Good. Okay. Good. Listener and patron, Britta Rogowski, had some comments about milk and breastfeeding. She once breastfed her child from her bosom, though she specifically mentioned in the email, no photos, sorry. Uh, don't forget, if you do <laughs> choose to send photos of your anatomy, send them to no, greg at no, smartenough.org. No, no! Stop it! So, I'm not, just to start po- off, just to start off, I just want to go on record that I am not a parent 
and to say that if you are a parent, I understand the enormous amount of work and sacrifice that you've made. I also acknowledge that this decision was almost definitely made due to genetic selfishness, was probably an enormous mistake both fiscally and environmentally, and that your child has a non-zero chance of being the next Adolf Hitler. (laughs) One thing Britta experienced was her child having a smaller amount of milk than usual and then dropping a grass-green poop. Well, Gregoire, it turns out that babies have a whole rainbow of poop. Mm, Great. You see, you're you're looking, you're sitting there looking very judgmental. We've all been given hints that the next segment that you're bringing is some sort of a scatological component as well. Yes. I'm, not, I'm not judging about the poop. It's the baby's thing, Dan. I'm just that's the, you're misreading the judgment, that's, Dan. Sorry, that's me. Uh, sorry, that was my fault. All right, you're right. <laughs> okay, the first poop that anyone has is something magical. It's called meconium. Babies don't drink milk in the womb. The mother's nipples are simply not long enough. What they do ingest is amniotic fluid. This includes Mm. cells from the mother's womb walls, mucus, bile, water, and langugo. It's like iron brew. Yep, very close. Very close to iron brew. Langugo. All our Scottish listeners just going, ah, everyone's like, what? That's fine. (laughs) Langugo is the light downy covering of hair that babies have. So meconium is kind of like a hairball, except one that's been digesting for six months. Goodness. When the baby poops, it will be a thick, tar-like mass, like a cowboy just spit it into a spittoon. The colour is a deep, deep olive. (laughs) Sometimes the baby's digestive system fires into gear before birth, meaning they poop in the amniotic sac. They float there while the meconium slowly dilutes into the mixture occasionally mixing it with their movements. <laughs> On the plus side, uh, this doesn't... Ah, sorry. So, I, I just had a moment. I had a is, moment. That is the normal reaction to that. My vagus nerve was just overstimulated. Sorry, guys. On the plus ah. side, this doesn't smell bad, and scientists think it could be sterile. And even if it's not, it may only have the necessary bacteria for a right. baby. Okay. Now, baby poop could also be... A cool to warm mustard colour. If you're exclusively breastfeeding, this is the colour you want the poop to be. Mm, mm. On the flip side, if your baby is taking formula, then expect your baby slime to be tan and with the consistency of peanut sauce. Oh, I like sato. That's nice. You used to. (laughs) (laughs) Now, your baby's poop could also be white or grey. This means it's not producing enough bile to digest things properly. Get that kid to a doctor. Right. White poop. Red poop. Oh, no. Not necessarily the worst thing in the world. If the baby has been eating beetroot. Fathers, for a great practical joke, sneak some beetroot juice into your six-month-old to give your partner a fucking heart attack. (laughs) Don't do this. Don't do this. Everyone's sleep deprived. There will be murder. Don't do this. (laughs) That is is a dangerous game, isn't it? It's the most dangerous game. Red streaks could also indicate constipation or bacterial infection. Now, can I just point out, we are not a medical podcast. We're not offering any medic. Don't don't listen to Smart Enough No Better for medical advice for your babies. Please, please don't. And on top of that, don't listen to Greg. This is medical podcast. Listen to me. I am, you, you are. I am the, the best source of information. You have actually, I will say, in the in the uh, award-winning play Prognosis Death, you did play a doctor on stage. Yes, I, and I looked like a doctor. 
Not one you'd want to go to, but no. definitely a doctor. I think you're a mortician. Now I think about it. I was I was both a mortician and a pathologist. Right, there you go. But well, we only it. established that later when I went, wait a second, a mortician isn't a doctor. What am I doing in a hospital? Okay. Anyway, yes. Back to the poop. Back to the poop. Back to the good shit. Uh. <laughs> Tarry black poop could signal bleeding. Contact a doctor Ooh. immediately. This is also a hot tip for adults. Good. Yeah, fair enough. Now, Britta may also have found black flecks in her baby's poop if she'd gone looking. Black flecks can be a tiny bit of digested blood from the cracked nipples of the mother-slash-wet-nurse-slash-nanny goat. (laughs) Britta says, I have very sensitive skin. She also adds, apparently drinking small amounts of blood doesn't harm babies, as we found out when I just started nursing. Uh, oh, no. She mentions that this disturbing mental image is my payback for the mermaid starfish symbiosis from a few <laughs> episodes past. Well, consider me well chastised, Britta, and congratulations on your payback. I expect I've learned some sort of lesson. But I'm just sorry that Greg keeps getting caught in the crossfire. <laughs> right. I'm Dan's, I'm Dan's ablative shield. He just carries me to horrible situations and my soul is stripped away stripped away <laughs> green poop now there are oh, two God. types of green poop forest green poop and it is forest green can occur in the adjustment from meconium to standard poop and it can also be the result of a baby who's taking an iron supplement unabsorbed iron discolors the tiny turds but it's not harmful but bright green Look this shit up online. This shit is bright green shit. Britta's understanding is that when breastfeeding, the first bit of milk is sugary sweet, and then the fats get added later in the feed. So dessert first and then mains. Mm -hmm. But if the baby just eats dessert, there's plenty of volume, but not enough fat to digest. Mm. The reason for this is quite fascinating. The bile gets added to help digest the milk. There isn't a lot of colourful stuff in there, because milk quite famously, white. So there's not a lot of colourful stuff to overwhelm the bile colour. So whatever the bile does is what the colour is. Now, bile is made up of bilirubin, which is orange-yellow or ruby, and uh, biloverdin, which is green or verdant, uh-huh. or yes. verd, which is yeah, green in from French. The same, from the same, from the same root, uh, root words, yes. Yeah. Now, these get mixed together with old blood cells to create brown poop. Gross. Bile... <laughs> is required to break down fats, and it joins with them and homogenizes. If there are no fats to break down, then the bile remains more pure. Biliverdin breaks down to bilirubin during the process. So the longer it's in there, breaking down fats, the more orange bilirubin there is and the less biliverdin. No fats, more green. More green, yeah, okay. The final thing she mentioned was that people claimed that a, the baby's spit can communicate nutrient needs to the mother via the ducts <laughs> in the breast. Oh. Now, that sounds like some serious bullshit spun <laughs> up by someone who's desperate to win the breastfeeding versus formula debate. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that madness. Yeah, yeah. some people breastfeed and there is a history of shaming mothers who don't. Mm. And there is a mm-hmm. lot of apocryphal information out there because of this. Now, I was brought up on formula, and I am a perfect physical specimen, <laughs> and I've only ever made one bad decision. It's time to talk 
about breastfeeding. <laughs> a different listener, Eloise, happened to write in with some interesting breastfeeding info, including a study that shows that infants who drank formula when it was introduced to third world countries had more deaths, but no. only when the formula was made using unsanitary water. Yes, yeah. There's, yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, yes. yeah. At any <laughs> rate, enough. can nutritional content pass from the child's saliva to the mother via the ducts on the breast? Mm. Now, I've got a bias going, so I need to set that aside to find the truth. There are benefits to the mother when she breastfeeds. Mm-hmm. Breastfeeding can include very mild amounts of discomfort for the mother uh, and is sometimes referred to as the final stage of labour. <laughs> <laughs> when you're a mother and you have breastfeeding occur on you, it increases the rate of uterine contraction, reducing postpartum blood loss. It can reduce breast cancer and ovarian cancer, and it also compensates for the lack in bone density that comes from having one of these little parasites on board for nine months. <laughs> yes. Horrible. They just take everything. It's a constant fight everything. in the womb between mother and child of how much, how many nutrients. The baby's like, all of them. The mother's like, how about none of them? And they have to fight and fight and fight. It's crazy. It's a war. Now, the benefits of breastfeeding are sometimes outweighed. Uh, the immune system can throw a fit when dealing with baby making. Autoimmune patients can suffer relapses when pregnant or lactating. Mm-hmm. Like all things that have evolved over hundreds of thousands of years, there are a lot of factors, and it will depend on your personal situation. It's probably the case that more mothers would benefit more from breastfeeding than would benefit more from formula. But here's the thing. Breastfeeding releases prolactin and oxytocin. Mm -hmm. This calms the brain and relieves stress, potentially heading off postnatal depression. So... If you're out there and you're shaming someone for not being able to breastfeed, you are targeting someone whose body is already under enormous stress and their natural stress relief mechanism is failing too. So Mm -hmm. don't do that because that person is going to kidnap you and drive you into a lake. (laughs) So information... That's that's Dan's medical advice. (laughs) So information to the mother via the breasts. I finally found information on it on a WordPress site that describes milk as a magical dynamic fluid. Right. Surprisingly, this page has references to proper research, so it Mm. may not be nonsense. It posits that immune cell levels in breast milk increased when the mother of the child was sick. This makes sense. She's fighting off a virus for both her and the tiny person who's always with her. Mm-hmm. It also posits that when the child is sick, the immune cell level in the breast milk increased as well. Uh. The rise isn't as large, but it's still consistent. But the mechanism, pores, and thus where the milk comes from, are outy holes, and mouths mm-hmm. are in holes. Mm-hmm. Could a virus get from the mouth? Yes. We all know about that. Mm. Herpes simplex is testament mm. to that. Mm-hmm. Mm. But could it go into the breast? Now, skin is notoriously good at keeping viruses out. That's what it does, Dan. That's it's what like it does. It's, it's his job. It's, 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 it's big rain roll is not just to be smooth, but to keep horrible things outside, outside. That's why I wear four people's skin on me at all times. Just layers of other people's skin, just constantly like some kind of shroud. It reduces oh, the clanking. I thought that was a tassel. No, I... I <laughs> 
Now, there is mention of something called retrograde ductal flow. That sounds like astrology. That sounds like, ah, when the ductal flow goes into retrograde, you shall have a baby. When the retro, when the ductal flow passes through Uranus. <laughs> you now have an OnlyFans account. <laughs> no. <laughs> the idea, once the audience has dealt with that, the idea is that the infected saliva in the baby's mouth could slide back up the ducts and be detected by the immune system of the mother. Even if it doesn't, Britta's problem with her cracked and broken nipples might Ah. actually be an evolutionary advantage, allowing Ah. this information from the child into the mother so that the mother's immune system will pump up and give more immune cells to the child. I I can see it. Yes, I can see it. It seems seems odd that... A wound is then used. I mean, yeah, interesting. I get the point, but also, ha. Huh. Oh, look, there are there <laughs> citation are lo- needed, maybe. Well, look, we've got a lot of very eager listeners, and I I will have show notes to yes. to this WordPress page and all of the re- all of the resources that they use. Okay, uh, because as I say, a lot of this information can be apocryphal. Yes, yes. There's a lot and- of passion about breastfeeding out there. And unless it's actually doctor's research, as in from medical places, I wouldn't... Well, most of these are PubMed. It's a really good... Yeah, no, because I was real... Because you never want a resource that's that's from a place called (laughs) treehealing.org. Like that. That's probably... Retrogradecrystals.com or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Well, then it's... I'm going to put it into the possible pile. Possible. Hmm. So thank you very much, Britta. You have given us so much food for thought. Ooh. And not just through your nipples. <laughs> Imagine you have a large pile of poop. Uh, uh, yep, got it. Yep, got it. Got it's it. Like, a, like an elephant pile. It's, like it's big... weirdly cute. It's got it's two big eyeballs. Oh, that's lovely. Just to quote Dr. Malcolm from Jurassic Park, that's a big pile of shit. Like, that's what we're talking. That's what we're talking. Okay. How does nature, especially in Africa, deal with that problem? Well, actually, mainly in Africa. <laughs> well, no, I mean, no dinosaurs to start no, with. Well, that's that's a, that was a good start on nature's part, but there yeah. are still macrofauna producing large amounts right. of poop. So elephants, giraffes, Beetles. lions. <laughs> You're scaring lots of big animals now. Zebras, yes, talking- gazelles, yes, ibexes. Mooses, sure, why not? Mooses in Africa. Africa. Come on, man. The African moose. moose. I'm talking about, of course, dung beetles. No, they're tiny. They're not macrofauna at all. No, no. (laughs) They're basically little beetles and they love poop and they roll up a ball of poop and they get rid of it. They take it somewhere and they bury it and then they eat it. They go, yes, I got all the poop in the world. An amount of poop bigger than me. And this is an animal that can roll a ball of poop that's, you know. It's like a golf ball. Yeah, yeah, even bigger, depending on the size of the the dung beetle. He backs up to it and sort of runs along it like like a circus performer. They do, they do. Like, there's 8,000 ty- different types of dung beetle species. So not all of them make the balls. About 600 of them make the little balls. But they, they don't make the ball. They'll find the poop and they'll, they'll dig it into the ground under the poop pile and they'll eat it right there. 
to just go, we'll hide in the ground and we'll eat our poop. We'll go get more later on. But some are like, this is a dumb idea. There could be thousands of dung beetles all over that poop pile. And they're all angry at you for eating poop. They want to eat the poop. Everyone's eating poop. These about 600 of them have worked out a way of making a ball and then running off with it. Smart. And what they've done. I'll make this ball disappear. It's yes. David Copperfield. Uh, that's, that's very good. That's, that's actually pretty that's pretty cool and what's the quickest way between two points because they, they normally go about six to ten meters away from the dung pile before they bury it what's yep. the quickest way dan between two points uh straight line a straight line dung beetles boom they make a absolute i would say bee line but it's actually the dung beetle line they just zoom along <laughs> six to eight meters they make a little ball and then they back up to it and they use their back legs. They stare at the ground and they run and they push it away before other beetles can come. And they all fight each other and they're like, rah, and they're trying to get each other. And they just get away and then they bury it and then they have a, a nice meal. That's their meal, yep. dung from other animals. But it's been shown that animals are really bad at traveling in straight lines, not just humans. Oh, we're but- terrible. We like to go in circles. We do. So a 2009 study found that human volunteers in a German forest and in the Sahara Desert repeatedly potted in circles when they could not see the sun. Big, wide circles, you just have a habit of walking in a circle. If you're blindfolded, you will start working in a circle as small as 20 meters across. Wow. So you'll just think, you'll think you're in a small, you're a straight line, and you're actually walking in a 20 meter across circle. So we're garbage at it. Humans are the worst. We, we use a lot of visual cues. And other animals are also the same. They, they're just not very good at, we need to have outside stimulus. We can't work out straight lines without looking at the environment. Mm. Dung beetles are exactly the same. So how do you think a dung beetle can travel? Imagine if you're a little animal, if you're only five centimeters, six centimeters across, how can you see eight meters away? You can't, you're on the ground. How do they go in a straight line? What do you think they're using to go in a straight line? Well, they go backwards. They do. They kick with they, their little back legs to push the ball and they go backwards. So all you need to do is keep your footprints in front of you. Oh, that's clever. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, that's, I see what you're saying. Yes. I guess it, you could, you could probably veer off. I guess humans could do that too. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, but yes, we, but we don't do that. They use the sun to begin with. So they'll go, okay, the sun's in the east, it's in the morning, because they don't care which direction they're going and they just want to get away. So they will point them towards the, the sun in the east and then they will run the other direction. Keep the sun in sight and run, 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 and they'll just run away. They will go in the, roughly the same direction. And Doesn't if the it's sun, afternoon... the sun powered by a big scarab beetle that pushes it across the sky? Well, that's... Yes, no, and strangely enough, that's why people think that maybe they did actually have scarab beetles on the Egyptian mummies. The amulets with scarab beetles on them were intended to help the dead in final ah. judgment. So we'd weigh the hearts of the deceased, supposedly, to assess whether they're worthy of the afterlife. Ah, keep all the good stuff, use the scarabs to get rid of the shit. Yeah, possibly, possibly. So scarabs, if in the afternoon, will follow the afternoon sun and run to the east. They'll push away from the sun and run the other way. And when scientists have actually done an experiment where they block the sun and put a mirror somewhere else, the beetles will go in the opposite direction to the Ah. inverted commas sun. So they go, okay, they think the sun's in that direction and they'll, they'll, they'll look at it and they'll, they'll run the other direction because they just want to get away. They don't care where they're going. They just want to get away. Mm. That's great. So you go, okay, so what happens if the sun is at the zenith at lunchtime? What happens then? Because there's no – Oh, because if you, if you pivot, then the sun's still in, in, in what appears to be the same spot in relation That's- to you. Yes. So what do they do then? Are they stuffed? Oh, that's the question. Is yes, that scientists they're stuffed. That's my call. That just midday is when to sneak in and grab their shit. 
it's a dung beetle siesta and they all just stop but supposedly not they still grab it at lunchtime and they all take off in a, in directions as well and the direction seems to be based on the wind so the dung beetles have a backup they have ah. the sun and they don't care where the wind is coming from they just stand there and they feel the end the wind on their antenna and they just go in a direction in relation to the wind so they don't care where the wind comes from. They just want a steady flow of air in one direction. And they use that to orientate themselves in a direction and then run like heck for six to eight meters and then bury their poop. Orient. What did I say? Orientate. Orient. Yes. Sure. Orientate's like not a real word. Pedants will be picking us up. They'll be writing in. And I'm trying to protect you from them. As the mighty Thor said, all words are made up, Dan. Shakespeare makes the word bubbles. Everyone goes, what a genius. Greg makes orientate and everyone goes, no, you can't have it. It's rubbish. Are you comparing yourself to the world's greatest fictional playwright? No, he was real, Dan. He re- existed. No, I don't know whether he did. He was. <laughs> like, this is, like, like, I've been reading some websites. Uh, so are you a Marlowe fan? Do you think it's like Christopher Marlowe? Also not a real person. <laughs> no one existed. In the- anyway, moving on. So the dung beetle uses the wind to orientate itself. But what happens then at nighttime? There's so nighttime, wind. the winds, the winds, the winds die down. No wind. There's no more nighttime. There's no wind. No. And time for no dung beetles to go to sleep. Time for dung beetles to go to sleep. Most of them do. Most of them are diurnal, but some are actually nocturnal, and they find the light of the moon, which kind of makes sense. You go, oh, they orientate against the moon. They do exactly the same thing. What's interesting is they're looking for the polarized light from the moon. The moon produces a lot more polarized light than the sun. And actually, when you change the polarizing filter around the moon, the dung beetles get confused and wander all over the place. Oh, wow. So they're using, they're using polarized light from the moon to move around. Not all of them, but these, these, these nocturnal versions of the dung beetle. It makes sense. If, you, if all your kith and kin are madly stealing the dung at the day and then they all go to bed and you're like it's my time to shine animals yeah. still gotta poop at night and, we, and, and you'll be there first if there's oh, a resource that. evolution's and gonna fill it up you better just niche 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 so they use the moon but there are some nights where there's no moon or the moon is below the horizon and they're still working away these guys are still doing their thing so what happens then what are they looking at night vision what are they goggles doing? Night vision goggles. Yeah. The stars. Night stars. They can't supposedly resolve stars. Their Not eyesight. many animals can because they're too dim and they're too far away. Yes, and so, we can. Like, we can, we can but, and some yes. birds can. Yes. Like hawks yes. and stuff. They can see it better than us. I, I heard a thing about hawks, hawk vision. Hawks, from what I was reading, would be able to see the Galilean moons around Jupiter, like the four big moons you need a telescope to see. But they so wouldn't goes, appreciate them. Well, they just look at him and go, I'm a hawk. <laughs> I can't eat that. I'm going to, oh, I'm going to eat it. I'm going to, oh, I wonder, can you imagine? I wonder if hawks sit around going, one day, children, I'm going to eat that son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm going to fly up there and eat that egg. Mm, tasty space. Egg. Anyway, they're hawks. They, they don't have any thoughts like that. It's very sad, but. <sighs> I'm going to anyway, eat that ring. Dung beetles can't resolve stars, but. It's been shown they can resolve the Milky Way. Oh, wow. So that sort of dim sort of blotch. Well, we think of it as dim, but we all live in cities nowadays where you, you see like five stars, 20 stars. It's garbage. You go out of a major city, 
and you look up, the sky is awash with color. It's crazy. When you see it, go to a dark sky site and look up. The, the, the Milky Way isn't just some dim thing. It's it's a river of milk. It's why the Egyptians worshipped it. They, they thought of it as the Nile going into space or going into heaven. You couldn't miss it. You would go, oh, I wonder what that is. You go, well, it's the Milky Way. It's the most obvious thing in the world. Dung beetles can easily see it and orientate themselves. Orient- ah, damn it, said it again. Yeah. Uh, orient themselves. So, but they can't see stars. Yes. They could just stars. see a big, a big milky band. blotch. Yes, yes, which is right. what I said. Well, you said dim. I think you said dim. Well, yeah, it's not dim. To the it's very sun. bright. Well, we can't resolve stars. I mean, I've got to say, we can't resolve stars in the Milky Way, which is insane because every star we see in the night sky is in the Milky Way. So, therefore, you are resolving stars in the Milky Way. But I mean, the ones that are distant, the ones right. that are in the core, that kind of glow that you see. Yeah. that's you can't you can't resolve those. No. Your eyes aren't good. You see a big. So neither can the dung beetle, but it can see the the glow of the Milky Way, and they orient themselves. Hey. I can learn them, and they orient. Oh damn! I want to say it again. They orient. Oh wow! I really want to say orientate. They <laughs> they orient themselves with the Milky Way, and when the Milky Way is below the horizon, they're basically boned at that point, and they can't use it. So they've got dung beetles. Have even though they're very simple animals, they have. All these amazing ways of getting in a straight line and running in that direction. And when scientists see them, when you first they make a ball and they fight each other off and they have a habit of climbing on the ball and doing this little dance, they kind of go, Woo, I got my ball of dung, got my ball of dung, got my ball of dung, it's a ball of dung. And everyone's like, what's that for? Like, is it a victory dance? What's, what are they doing? <laughs> they seem to enjoy this moment of enjoy. They, they, they do something on top of the dung. And the idea is that's them going, which one we're going to use? Is it the sun or the moon or the wind or the Milky Way? Okay, it's that one. I'm going in that direction. Let's go. And they take it's, off. It's eeny, meeny, miny, moe. But for a... Uh... Well, yeah, I'm assuming the ones in the daytime go, there's the sun. Is it in the right position? No, it's not. I'll use the wind. And then they take off. <laughs> so it's, it's their GPS activating, their brain GPS, and then taking off. I thought it was really cool that such a simple creature doing such an important job of moving poop, it goes to show how simple rules can lead to complex behavior. And I like the fact that at the end they have a little game of dance, dance, ablution. <laughs> Are you ready, Gregoire? I was born ready, Dan. Are you ready? I am, I, I am ready to... What? What, what, what? Hang on, what am I ready for? It's yeah. time to test your metal. Deflux capacitors and portals leave you in a panic. It's all going down at the crypto mechanic. Well, we have a new theme song for Crypto Mechanic. Yeah, yeah, we couldn't do this without a theme song. But, Dan, I just remember years ago, I, I said, oh, can you write me a, a theme song for Crypto Zoo, Space Crypto Zoo with lasers? And you're like, and you just made me, you just put it in me going pew, pew with lasers. And you're like, nah, that's not happening. Yeah, that's that's when you do it. Oh, I, oh, right. When I do it, I put, yeah. actually, you know, put some work in. Right. I not see. a lot of work. It's no, not no, like I've written a new melody. <laughs> But no one does that, write melodies. That's branding. Days. That's branding. You go, back, you go back and look at like the American National Anthem, and that was an old song, or Stars and Stripes, and well, lots of old songs, actually just songs, are actually older songs we stole. But everyone always steals melodies. It's just the way, we, the way humans work. Well, this is, this is all me. That's my melody. And, I mean, it's like my song that I write about the podcast going, I do a, I do a, I do a podcast about science. He does a podcast. That's, what is that? Poker face. Oh, well, I reckon you should claim that as your own because that's very different to poker face. You've just written something unique. 
How dare you, sir? <laughs> How dare you? Anyway, what, what's this? What's this crypto mechanic madness? What's this about? I'm not ready for this. Welcome to the crypto mechanic. Al Batson asks, which is the better metal? Adamantium, vibranium, unobtanium, or beskar? <laughs> Oh. Firstly, where are these each from? Adamantium, Gregoire? For Marvel Comics, that's like the indestructible metal. That's Marvel Comics from the X-Men universe. Practically yeah, yeah. indestructible. You would know it, listeners, from the blades in Wolverine's arms. And laced on his, his skeleton. All over his skeleton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, what about Vibranium? Vibranium's also Marvel. Isn't it a type of adamantium that's been processed or something? Some sort of... It vibrates. It's basically Captain America's shield. Captain Captain's America's shield, yes. Same universe, Marvel universe. Adamantium was actually created using vibranium. Ah, initially. right, right, right. Okay. We're gonna okay. Have, we, we better get this right, otherwise we're going to have so many angry listeners. This will be the one that we get walks of shames out the wahoo. Yeah. This will be the I'm, one. I'm fully expecting that. Because there's an awful lot of content to go through, and most of it disagrees with the rest of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but vibranium, it absorbs, stores, and releases large amounts of energy. Mm, mm. There are a couple of other versions of vibranium, but we're going to focus on Wakandan vibranium, as it features prominently in pop culture these days. Okay, yes. Now, unobtanium. This word has been around for decades to refer to either a theoretical material or one Mm -hmm. that is simply too expensive to use for the purpose described. But it's Mm -hmm. also the material in Avatar. Yes. The material in Avatar is superconductive at room temperature. Wow, okay, yeah. And finally, there's Beskar, or Mandalorian iron, from the Star Wars universe. Oh, yeah. It's the toughest metal known to science, which is interesting, because I didn't realise there was science in Star Wars. I thought you just made spaceships with magic. It's literal plot armour, so... Unfortunately, I got frustrated watching... When I like Mandalorian, but I watched an episode where he just walked down a hallway being shot at by stormtroopers that were hitting him multiple times, and the impacts hit him, but then he, then I went, oh, I don't have to worry about him being shot ever again. Bullets mean, well, blasters mean nothing to him. He yeah. just walks... In. Well, that's he, good, so why, because... So why was I scared in the end of Series 1 when lots of people stood outside of a cantina and he was worried about being murdered, and now I'm like, well, he couldn't have been hurt. His friends would have died, but he would have just walked on out. Didn't, so, wasn't that before he got the armor? Oh, was it? Oh, that would explain it then. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. I think that right. was his big reward at the end of the season. So oh, he finally right. got Mandalorian iron armor. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. It has okay. incredible strength and durability. And well, it hang can... on. What's his helmet made out of then? Oh, well, that's always been Mandalorian. Oh, okay, I right. think all helmets are Mandalorian iron, but now he's got I full see. suit of armor. I see. I see. I see. Okay. Got it. Okay. It is. It has incredible strength and durability, and it can withstand blows from a lightsaber. Is What? <laughs> anyway, it's there, fine. no, no, a lightsaber can can cut through almost anything. Yeah, there are a couple of things it can't, and one of those right. is Beskar. Okay, all right. Can you imagine if you were if you're a Jedi? Yeah, and you're just fighting someone. Everyone you fight, you just turn into butter. You just hit them. They they put their hands up. You cut their arms off. Like unless it's another lightsaber, you're just like, what a joke. You wouldn't even worry. You never. You go through concrete. Nothing. There's no physical resistance. You just kind of go through things. And so you'd fight in this way. You wouldn't even have to hold on very hard because you just go through people and think the world. It'd be like waving your hands through a world of paper. 
a pa- or, or water. Maybe that. Maybe water. Like you're putting a, a, a katana through water. It would slow you down, but you don't really care. Yeah. Like suddenly, if, you're, if you've got a broadsword and you're going up against a knight, you've got to get that big blade yeah. through a big lump of Bang. meat. Yeah. So, so metal so covered suddenly, meat. So suddenly someone turns up who's not just the Mandalorian, just holding a spear, and you're like, I'm going to wreck your day. Basically, I'm going to ruin your entire career. And they put, they hold it up in the way, and you're like, ha-ha, idiot! And you slam it down, ready to slight, well, not, and then suddenly it bounces off. You're going to shatter your wrist. Yeah. You're, you're, you wouldn't even be ready for it. You're like, oh! oh like it'd bounce out of your hands, spin back, and slice you open. Yes, you That's why no only Jedis can use these things. They're very yeah, yeah. dangerous. They're very dangerous. It's just ridiculous. Now, metal is used for all sorts of purposes. It's used to conduct electricity in electronics or Faraday cages. It's used to conduct heat in cookware. Some metal is ferrous and can be used with magnets or R magnets. Metals each have hardness, toughness, and strength. Yes. Now, metal that is hard resists scratches and friction. Tough metal resists fracturing when pressure is applied. It has ductility and thus deforms to absorb energy. Like copper, you can turn into wires and that sort of mm. stuff. And finally, strength is from metal that is very difficult to deform or to pull apart. Right. So a drill Not bit doctor. needs to be hard and strong, but if you hit it with a hammer, it'll snap into pieces. Mm-hmm. An okay. anvil needs to be tough and strong, but it will end up covered in scr- scratches. Uh-huh. In a stabbing weapon... You want it to be strong enough to penetrate armour and stay sharp, but also flexible enough not to snap in battle. You don't want something that's brittle. Mm. In a gun, you want it to not overheat too quickly and resist the pressures of chemical explosions. In armour, you're balancing between being resistant to pressure, resistant to blade penetration, resistant to ballistics, and keeping the weight down. Mm. If your armour... Weight, yeah. Yeah, and if your armour has enough... Given it to trap a knife blade using friction, it may not be firm enough to stop a bullet. A lot of these metals are used in the context of battle. All of these blades and armors and such. Lots of battle. Stabbing claws, throwing shields, laser sword resistant <laughs> armor. Yeah, okay. So let's address unobtainium. Mm-hmm. It's a room temperature superconductor. It has very few military applications. Yeah. Superconductors have a couple of pretty useful qualities. They allow for almost lossless energy transfer, so you could waste a lot less power in your electricity grid if you had room temperature superconductors. Yeah, very fast computing and that sort of stuff as well. Mm. Currently, the transmission of electricity wastes around 5% of power generated, and this would also reduce the cost of running maglev trains and MRI machines. Your power loss is increased over distance, by the way. It's not just 5% flat. Yeah, that's so, true. Because uh, why I'm mentioning that is because people say, why don't we just build a massive solar farm in Western Australia where I live and like, a thousand kilometers away? And you go, well, no, I understand it's a great idea. We probably should look into that. But also then you, when you transmit the power down line, you could lose up to 60% of it. 60% of zero cost energy is still great, but there's still that's a large percentage mm. loss, and that's why people worry about that sort of stuff. Signal it, degradation is a thing. Yeah, yeah. It, it falls off faster than you, you'd expect. It, I think it, it does very, square yeah. law stuff or something. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty far. It's, yeah, it's, it's big. And so if you could have lossless transmission, that would change the world. Because then you could just create power, like cover all of Western Australia in solar power panels and transmit it around the world. Yep. And we could power the world easily with the solar energy hitting 
Australia. Isn't there something going on where a Chinese corporation is setting up a big solar farm in North and Western Australia, and then I no believe cable it's Singapore. Going I think it's Singapore, ah. and they're going to run it. They're going to run it to Singapore. But once again, walks of shame on that one, maybe. But I think it's Singapore. Okay, that's that's amazing. Yeah, and we're not doing it. So we sold them the land. We released them the land so they can take the solar power somewhere else. And you go, well, why aren't we? That's a different story for a different time. <laughs> got all this coal to sell. Yes. All this coal to sell. So unobtainium anyway, very useful. But we're getting close to making our own room temperature superconductors because normally we have to get very, very, very cold. Well, indeed, we already have them. Mm-hmm. Researchers at the University of Cambridge already have discovered room temperature superconductivity, but still involves very, very high pressures. Sure. So yeah. you can't quite run that across a, the top of a power line yet. Yes. But, but we're, we can, we're, we're learning. Yes, we're getting there. So the idea of having to go and fight the space Pocahontas people and the, the space Fern Gully people to steal their metal under their giant tree seems silly now. Well, like, in that movie, they, they don't explain this, but the unobtainium is also very useful in the space travel stuff. Oh, but okay. if we if we if I'm trying to explain how these spaceships work using no, superconductors, we, then I'm, I'll be here all friggin' day. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So, and by the way, I'm going to re- just fix and say space American you know, Native American people, space punk people, hundreds people. Just sounds terrible, and <laughs> we will get cancelled. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, it's the Pocahontas story, isn't it? Story, yeah. So that's the what story I meant. Yes. is space Pocahontas. Yes, yes. That, but it yes. involves space Native Americans. Yes, but yes. They don't call them that because it's not America. Yes, that's right. Anyway, so, yes. Just, anyway. What, what, what is the planet called? It's like Endor or Avador or. <laughs> Why are we checking this? Because there's going to be seven more of these bloody movies. But yeah. anyway. Um... Adora? Pandora. Oh, no, that's, no, that's the bewitched Pandora. Pandora. Because oh, they're opening the box of Pandora. What a dumb idea. How dumb. Sorry. Just how bloody. So stupid. they're native Pandorans. Native Pandorans. Yeah, the Na'vi. They like, yeah. their name is Na'vi's, but that's, I knew that one. But anyway. And so, and the, and the bad guys are um, white Pandorans. They weren't colonists, though. That would be much more of an interesting story. Oh, that would be a much more interesting story. Oh, wow. Yeah, because having an invading force turn up and shoot everyone with guns and steal their stuff, that's a story. But it's pretty simple. But if you then say, oh, colonists come, they had nowhere else to go, they land on I land on Pandora a hundred years later, there's problems. That's a more nuanced story. Do you mean you know what I'm yeah. saying? The Navi are like, no, we're cool with you being here because you couldn't go anywhere else. And then, then later on it's like, oh, we don't want you here anymore. Get off our planet. And then you're suddenly like, oh, but I was born here. Yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's I a, came here on the very first spaceship with my great-great-grandfather, yes. Space Captain Cook. Yep, yep. It's a, it, Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, yes, yes. It becomes a, a, a more interesting story that you can't do in two hours, I guess. Three well, maybe, hours. Maybe you'd need seven films to do it. <laughs> we felt, we worked it out. Anyway, okay, um, unobtainium so- is rubbish, I think. I think it's a, not a very useful thing anymore. Yeah, unobtainium has qualities that could be game-changing, but we're, if we're interested in the qualities that we usually associate with metal, then it's not very good at anything. We can drop it from our list. Yeah, we can We can just make something else. That's, you don't have to go to yeah. Pandora. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. All right. Adamantium is very, very strong and resistant. It's described as the strongest metal, but it also yeah. appears to be hard and tough as well. Mm-hmm. Blades made from adamantium don't appear to deform, but they also don't snap when impacted. Mm. They can cut through vibranium 
and it seems the only thing that can penetrate adamantium is antimetal, sometimes known as <laughs> Antarctic vibranium. Ooh. <laughs> Oh, no. Now, anti- what are we doing? Antimetal isn't stronger, though. It has a molecular reaction with metal, allowing it to dissolve other metals. Uh-huh. So okay. it's more like an acid. It has the effect of an acid I going see. Through onto something. Okay, yes. Yeah, like you can't cut a balloon with an orange peel, but if you squeeze <laughs> that orange peel onto it, that melts through <laughs> the nylon, the, 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 yes. the, the rubber, and pops the balloon. Sure, sure. Got it. Got it, got it. Okay. Uh, yes, that's useful. Once again, yeah, there's useful to this. I mean, it, having a very, very... I mean, imagine building, like, a heat shield out of adamantium. I know it's expensive and really hard to work. It can only be worked in its in its liquid form, and then it when it hardens, it hardens forever, I'm pretty certain. And once again, I'm sure there's a comic that breaks this because comics are weird and break their rules because there aren't any rules. It's, it's a story. But so I can see the value to that for lots of different... For, I mean, it, does it transfer heat well? Or does it, is it heat resistant? It actually turns into a liquid, but the liquid retains its shape. So it, it's a liquid that what? acts like a solid. So you could but, heat it, you could heat it up to, to its melting point. <laughs> yes. But its molecular structure is so good that you end up with a liquid that won't change, uh, won't change its form. What? It's not a liquid then. Yeah, I know. That's, that's the definition of a liquid. What are you talking about? I, 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 I'm just telling you what I read on the Wikipedia. That's, that doesn't make any sense. That makes me sad and angry. I, I, sure. Yeah, great. So, but, but does it? <laughs> but does it? If I could hold Wolverine down and then tie his claw and then apply a blowtorch to the end of his claw, we have had some hypotheticals on this podcast. We've had some yeah. real hypotheticals, but you just are asking. If I could hold yes. Wolverine down, he's probably the longer, is probably the biggest bow that we've ever drawn on the podcast. He's only, a, he's only a berserker man. Like he's not. You could, you could, you could tie him down. You could chain him. I to could. Something. Well, <laughs> you like, could. It could be done, and then you have him with his claw out. You go, oh Wolverine! I had sex with Jean Grey, and she said you're a dodgy lover. And he's like, oh, snicked. And then you stamp on his on his claws with a big metal thing, so he can't get his claws out. Or magnets, magnets—they'll hold him there. Magnets and will hold him there. We've seen that. Uh, yes. Oh, Wolverine. Magneto. Yeah, good point. We'll go. Get our good friend Magneto. Yes. White oh, terror. Oh man, the, the people that you associate yourself with—it's like, oh look, I'm not a I'm not a mutant racist, but some. Yes. And then if I heat it up, if I then got the Human Torch to start heating the end with flame the end of Wolverine's claws, would it transfer the heat up his skeleton into his fleshy bits? Would I cook him? Does it transfer heat well? Uh, I believe that all metal does transfer heat, some better than others. Yes, so So that's why ceramics. So you could could cook Wolverine then. From the uh, inside out. it wouldn't be a good heat shield then on your on your spaceship because you'd be coming in and all the heat we transferred into the yeah because heat shields have done with ceramics aren't they ceramics because they yeah. they're, metal they're is a terrible heat shield yes absolutely so yeah. yeah you need to but what's interesting is SpaceX the spaceship they made it out of aluminium and they're going to put lots of heat shielding on it then they made it out of steel because they wanted it to be tough and the steel actually instead of having a light body with a heavy ceramic they then put steel which has a, a decent enough heat resistance you don't have to have much cladding on the inside yeah. so they they made a heavy spaceship you go why would you have a steel spaceship it's because it's strong and can stop some of the heat hmm. which is interesting I'm guessing adamantium is good for hardness things and blocking things and tough things 
dams, if you can make it cheaply, it'd be great to make a big dam out of it. Like, there's all sorts of stuff it could do. So it's pretty useful, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's fairly useful. Yes. Now, vibranium isn't stronger than adamantium, but it does store both ambient and kinetic energy. Yes. There are some weapons made out of vibranium. They store up energy and hold it inside themselves. Now, I'm sure that the comics work out a way to do something with this, but this feels to me like fighting with a battery. Like, yes, if that thing yeah. ruptures, no one's winning that fight. No, no, no. It's Yeah, it seems bad. I, I'm, going to, I'm trying to base it on the movies. Like, when Captain America gets hit by Thor's hammer, he's just a man. He, he's, a, he's a sexy man, but he's just a man. And Thor is a god with a magical hammer. And he's beating the tar out of Tony Stark. And then Captain America comes in and gets hit with the hammer. He gets hit. Thor flat out tries to murder Captain America. He does yeah. not know Captain no. America is, is a, a Superman. He just goes, that man said... Give me your hammer. Be cool. And he flat out murdered him. We tried to. Mm-hmm. He's a, and yet he's the hero. Yeah. He doesn't even like push him over. Go, go away, human being. He overhanded the full power blow from of, Thor. Of, of, the, of the Odin son. Of the Odin son. Of Mjolnir. Of the powerful Uru god metal. Into a human being's arm. Anyway, uh, he's the good guy. And, uh, and it hits the vibranium super shield it absorbs it and then reflects it back Hmm. and it doesn't do it everywhere it seems to reflect it from the front of the shield because captain america puts it over his head and everyone gets blasted away trees get blown away everything dies iron man flies away and thor gets knocked back by his own blast and captain america thank goodness was under his own shield and wasn't blown to pieces by the god power yeah anyway and then calmly goes are we done here that's why he's cool i'd be like shit jesus Jesus Christ! You could have killed him the fucking Like he's that's why I couldn't be in the movie. Yeah. No one mentions this, sorry, it's just frustrating. Anyway. Yeah. I did, I, I complained about that when it, I complained about the whole movie. Um <laughs> So but and, the point he, I'm trying to make is that the shield seems to deflect things, but he can't switch it on and off. He doesn't go battery, battery, battery. Once it reaches a certain level, it overloads or it, the, the crystalline structure does something weird and it reflects it all the energy yeah. out again. And if it can't, it can explode. It can actually explode itself. Yeah. There you go. So when he's hit by a bullet and even a, t- like a, well, a tank shell, the flame would go around and cook him, but it won't go there. But if the impact, impact hits him and the vibranium goes half MV squared, uh, kinetic energy equals half MC squared, it basically neg- it negates it. So you've got half, yeah, mass, kinetic energy equals half the mass times the velocity squared. So it's got a direction, it has a vector. The vibranium basically goes reverse the, the vector. It, it times yeah, it by it, negative one. It takes kinetic energy and transfers yeah. it into some sort of stored energy. Which it transforms, it transforms it into something else, maybe. I'm like, assuming vibrational energy. Yeah, well, that's kinetic energy and anyway. Then, yeah, and then... But it, it, but it produced the light, but maybe it, was in Th- maybe it was Thor's hammer that was producing the light. It seems to just reflect the energy back out. Yeah. So if he gets hit... If, you, if he got hit by a car, and you see him sometimes get hit by cars in the movies, he gets thrown back because it, it can't stop all the energy, but he's not pulverized yeah. into mush. Now... Cause, some but it's, but, it's but, magic, of course. You know. Yeah, <laughs> this is the this is the crypto zoo, but uh, no, no, it's not. No, mechanics. no, Dan. So crypto mechanics. Yeah, yeah. Come on. So, oh. like, you know, you're not yeah, supposed know. to use the M word. Sorry, 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 Dan. Sorry, I apologize. Okay, so in Black Panther, he absorbs the energy and then is able oh, to use does. it. 
Oh, he does. When, You're right. When, he's a vibranium suit. He has a vibranium suit, yeah. doesn't he? Because yes. as armor, it has an interesting quality. It absorbs the ambient energy and, and allows them to use use it somehow. But mm. it also absorbs sound. It absorbs sound energy. Well, that's, that that's, just, that's just energy. That's just, that's just vibrational, vibrational energy. energy. So yeah. a suit made with vibranium would be great for stealth. So Captain America's shield, when he floating, it goes dong, bong, bong. It shouldn't. It's just go. Yep. You see it moving through the air. You wouldn't hear it. You would never hear be it going like a bang. feather hitting a pillow. Yeah. So I'm going to say then when Thor, going back to the shield, when he slammed it down, that bong wasn't the shield. It was the hammer. Maybe. Although the, sh- the shield should be able to absorb all of that sound as well. Yes, but I guess if the hammer hit it and then pulled away and was vibrating, it would still be vibrating and making a lot of noise. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be so weird to watch those scenes with all the sound take? Every sound with vibranium in it is yeah, just yeah. real dull and like yeah, yeah, yeah. Take, you take strip yeah. away almost or all. Or just the just the foley next to the person holding the vibranium. Hmm. It'd be, it'd be funny. Uh, Black Panther, what should we do? What's that, Black Panther? I'll hang out for a moment. I said. <laughs> his helmet peels back. Yes, it's at the Black Panther <laughs> megaphone. But he could. Oh, no, 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 no. His sister, Siri, is smarter than that. She has probably made something on the mouth area that projects the energy from the suit from the front of the suit. So you yell into the ah, suit. Right. The suit takes your energy and then it projects it from the front of the suit. So you can ah, hear, you can talk properly. Yeah? It could even boost your voice. Yes, it could. Great yeah. karaoke he, night. If you go, Black Panther, we need to yell something. He just starts stamping his foot in the ground. Give me a moment. (laughs) Punch me. Oh, yeah. Wait, this feels wrong. White men, quickly punch me so I can yell. This feels so wrong. Speaking of white men. Oh, yes. Hunters select outfits to avoid detection by prey. They do. Like they'll dress in camo. Mm -hmm. And there are all sorts of solutions to these problems. But they also want to dress in something that's quiet. And so you've got internal fleece layers and super stretchy fabrics that don't crumple. Adding vibranium would lessen the noise even more. Yes. The only yes. issue is that you could end up quieter than the world around you, and that could give away your position. Like, if everything starts getting really muted, you're like, yes. oh, there's something tracking me that's wearing vibranium. You'd want to only have it, yeah, small enough so it was you, not any around you, yeah. Mm. But yeah. all of these things are, like, quirky uses yeah, technology. This isn't metal. This is we a haven't gone metal into metal. the vibranium though. Just, just, I think the vibranium is much more useful than anything else because it can store and project energy. That just makes it unbelievably useful because our world right now, our big problem, why we haven't gone over to like solar energy or, mm. or, or renewables, is because we can't store the damn stuff. We're still using silly batteries, lithium ion. There are better batteries, but these are crap ways of storing energy, and they're, they're yeah. toxic and expensive, and that's what's holding us back, really. And it's getting better and better and better, but we're still... If you could have a metal, if you could just have a block of metal that you could just pump energy into and then just sit it somewhere and well because they can the well the wakandans can they can seem to then transfer into another type of energy amazing how could like you could you could have a block of of vibranium on your roof it's called a flywheel we've had them for hundreds of years but but flywheels still take have a loss of energy and then require a big flywheel i mean we've talked about flywheels before on the podcast you have a sterling engine and you can't just put lots of sterling engines on your house it doesn't work that way so 
if you could have something that could transform energy, store it with almost lo- no loss, and then transform it, you could heat your house with it, you could power your house with it, you could do everything with it. Flywheels. Flywheels, I'm telling you. You think, it's, you, you think the future's flywheels? Well, the future is flywheels. The have future's so flywheels, i got to wear shades. You no. should read a book by Palo Bakigalapi. I've said that very wrong, and I'm sorry. The Wind-Up Girl. It's great. It's a biopunk science fiction novel, and it's amazing. Love it, love it, love it. And the idea of that is all petrol gone, most petrol gone, and we are stuffed. We didn't work out how to solve the world. All the the, the waters rose. It's set a couple hundred years in the future. And people are paid just to – the poor people, (laughs) most of us, are paid to wind up springs so that – industry can run them so you're paid food you you're paid but your job is to basically you know the, the goggle boxes out of rick and morty that generate electricity yeah Ima- there's, a, imagine there's it. a black mirror episode with this sort of stuff going on oh as well. okay I, that's and that's what they do so they wind up these springs so you, your job maybe all day if three thousand of you made a massive industrial spring and wind it up by walking on a treadmill and then it's, and then that spring is and delivered somewhere else and it's slowly unwound to power the city mm. and or or the one in your car or the one on your bike or the one in, on all your equipment uh, it's a great book it's really really good highly recommend it the wind-up girl mm. uh paolo bacigalupi i'll put that. we'll put it in the show notes now the thing is the thing about vibranium though is that i'd be a bit concerned about any metal that stores energy like you've got to deal with that like yeah it, it has some interesting elements and like all mm. different metals there's a there's a there's a purpose for it and energy storage is awesome but it's not what you look to metal for so finally we get to beskar it's very strong and durable. Mm. It is one of only three substances that are impervious to a lightsaber. We can assume that adamantium is also resistant to lightsabers as it's indestructible. Mm-hmm. Oh, damn, what have you done? What have you done? You know that someone's going to go, well, actually, you'll find a thing in the, in the blah, the blah, when Luke Skywalker came to the Marvel Universe. It... Well, in fact, I'll be that person, shall I? Some parallel world adamantium can be compromised with heat but if we're going to start looking into all the different universes in the marvel universe that sort of curiosity killed the cat right good. so we're not doing that good there is a beskar sword mandalorians will carry a sword the beskad is quite a heavy looking machete meaning it doesn't need to keep a sharp blade to be effective (laughs) it's bludgeoned you to death yeah pretty much so at this point (laughs) hang on does beskar swords cut through beskar armor or are you just broadsorting someone to death? Are you bludgeoning them into the... Because you hit someone with a broadsword, you're not trying to cut them, you're trying to bludgeon the hell out of them. Yeah. With, uh, I a would, normal person, but I mean like an armoured dude. I don't believe that a Beskad would be able to stab through Beskar armour. Right. It's not like yeah. they cancel each other out. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. All right. Because they, they, they're, they're not necessarily very hard. They're very strong and they're very tough. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So, so at this point, it's looking like adamantium is creeping to the top of the list. Both Beskar and adamantium are light, strong, and tough. But mm-hmm. adamantium seems to also be hard enough to keep a ridiculously sharp edge for an interminable amount of time. Mm-hmm. But Beskar has one thing that gives it prominence. To make adamantium, as you said before, you mix two components at heat, like 2700 degrees or something, Mm-hmm. And then nine minutes later, it is cast into the shape that it will have for the rest of its life. 
Mm-hmm. You can't neaten up the edges. You can't sharpen it. You can't melt it down and try again. Now, wars don't last forever. And what happens when you need more plowshares and all you have are swords? Mm. Beskar is completely reusable. <laughs> to step back for a moment, what do we mean by the best metal? It's like, what are the most commonly used metals in society and what are they used for? Yep. The most commonly used metal on Earth is iron. It's yes. used for vehicle manufacture and in engineering. It's used in plumbing, agriculture, fencing. Concrete would crumble into rubble if not for the iron rebar that forms its skeleton. If you add 11% chromium and a little carbon, you get stainless steel that is rust-resistant and great for use in kitchens. Mm-hmm. A car made with iron has crumple zones to protect the passenger. Make the same car with adamantium, and the first thing to give in in an accident are the passenger's bones. <laughs> Fill a building with adamantium rebar, and sure, if someone slams a Boeing 767 loaded with 20,000 gallons of jet fuel into it, that mm-hmm. sucker stays upright. It but does, eventually, yep. you're going to want to knock that building down, and you'll have all sorts of problems with the leftover super material. Mm-hmm. Now, mm. I would love an adamantium knife in my kitchen because you never have to sharpen it. You would die. I would die. I wouldn't say you. I would, oh, I'd be chopping away and I'd just be right through my finger. Look, that's the case with any sharp knife. Oh, that's why I don't have sharp knives in my house. Smart, so, smart. Really smart hack them. Just the, the, I did, oh, it's, just it's, the, it's like the, having little... I've got a butter machete. And... <laughs> no, no, I just, I, just, I just tenderize everything I eat. It's, it's quite a, upsetting. A filleting machete. <laughs> the bread machete. The bread machete. Bring me my bread machete. I mean, I'd love an adamantium knife, but I think that my choice of the best metal has got to be Beskar. Mostly because it's so much like real iron. And iron is amazing. And I can't believe that now that I do a science podcast, I actually have a favourite metal now. But I know that metal is iron. Aw. Well, I mean, I I like what you're saying there. I I, I disagree. I still think that vibranium... I know what you're saying over more... For wider areas, Beskar, but for me, it still is vibranium. I think vibranium has its weird properties would change the world. A 21st century world would run on vibranium. That's why I I know what you're saying. I just disagree. And according to the internet, I just checked. In fact, the best metal is Paranoid by Black Sabbath or maybe Masters of Puppets by Metallica or Ace of Spades by Motorhead. Now I feel like I'm being bludgeoned by one of your kitchen implements. <laughs> Time for the Walk of Shame, where you, the listener, pick us up on the mistakes that we've made. And I'm going to start because I've got one for you. Oh, really? Yes. Really? Last time I didn't have one, so this time I couldn't. Past performance equals future thingy whatnot. Actually, a counter to that argument because Eloise heard me complain, yes. uh, she sent me two for you. God damn it, Eloise! I mean, thanks! Okay, so when we were discussing milk in episode 169, you said, I'm fascinated that human babies are made to drink cow's milk. Eloise yes. points out that health services strongly discourage feeding milk to humans under the age of 12 months. Babies should drink breast milk until six months of age and then slowly introduced to solids but mushed up solids. I'm excited by this. It's the best. I'm amazed. I'm so happy. Now, if you go with the baby formula, 
these mostly use cow milk proteins. Right. But these proteins are altered so that it's easier to digest, removing some of the protein, sodium, and potassium from them. Now, it occurred to me that a, ve- a vegan who can't breastfeed is in a real bind. They yes. could find yes. a wet nurse. Yeah, or a nanny goat. Oh, that's right. Well, no. Wait, hang on. Are you hurting? No, you're still using the product of an animal. You yeah, can't. you're still you using can't. the product of an animal. So, which means you can't get a wet nurse. That's an well, animal. No, you, you can. You can ask nurse. for permission. Oh, so it's it's the permission that we have to ask for. Yeah, yeah. If oh, you, okay. you, I, I think as a vegan, you are morally allowed to drink breast Human milk, milk if they well, offer it to you. So, if I became a vegan and said, Dan, I really want to eat your leg, and you're like, for you, buddy, anything. That's veganism? Ooh, now that's an interesting one because I know that uh, some doctors are a bit... Like if someone wants to cut their feet off because they have uh, dysphoria and they, they're like, these feet don't feel like my own, I, I need to cut my feet off so that I feel right, then most doctors will address that as a mental illness. Yes, yes. Before... I've heard about a man who, who got permission to... Well, he cut his arm off and the doctors were like... Ah! But then he felt better about having no arm. Like he cut his left arm off yeah. and he didn't finish. And, and that was a – there was a big argument about that of did they have the right to cut off their own arm? Because it sounds – to me, as a as a layperson, it sounds like a mental illness. Mm. And we don't let make crazy people jump off bridges and that sort of stuff. And I'm not – it's such a minefield we're about to walk into here. But at what level do we decide someone's choices are mental illnesses? Mm. And that's all I'm going to say because I don't think they are mental illness in some places, but how do you know where one is and one isn't? Anyway, so I've kind of how vegan. Are we in the middle of all these landmines? <laughs> how did we get here? So how, but yes, can a vegan eat another human's body if they're cool with it? Like a placenta? Yes, yes, there you go. Could you, yes, absolutely. Could you eat another human's placenta? Like, I don't want it anymore, but you eat it. I'm vegan, but you gave me permission. Don't know. Could they eat their own placenta? You know what? They can do whatever they want because veganism is in a is in a set of laws. It's just yes. choices. It's just choices. Yeah, no, exactly so, right. You can be no, a vegan and eat someone's placenta. You can be, be an eat vegan and eat steak. And other should. vegans might judge you, but you know. I think Dan, that's our new shirt. It's be smart enough to know better. You can be vegan, vegan, and eat placentas. Just have Dan and Greg's like giving thumbs up. It needs work. We'll workshop it. We'll workshop it. There's something there. <laughs> I am excited that finally I'm having people back me up on stop giving milk, cow milk to people. It's balls. I hate it. Stop doing it because it's like drink all the cow milk. You should drink it all. So children under six shouldn't. Great. That's the first under six step. months. Ah, damn it. Oh, under, under, one, under one year, under 12 months. One year. Okay. Well, yeah. that's at a 12, start. At 12, year, at 12 months, then they can, they're, they're on solids and they, and, uh, they like can handle them. Milk is a bit of a quirky one so you want to wait until at least they're one but sure. then it's so dense it's so dense yeah i now, I'm, just gonna, I'm gonna say dan that i though i'm taking the walk of shame and i accept it and thank you to eloise i also am going to say that you do remember that i consider everyone under the age of 25 a child their brains haven't fully developed their she's I actually don't... she's actually like got damn you... it <laughs> really <laughs> okay well, right. let's 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 continue on Okay, all right, all right, all right. So vegans uh, could choose from one of only two vegan options for fake baby milk, and they've got to import it from Europe. 
Or they could try a dairy-free option that still uses tiny amounts of lanolin from sheep's wool. Mm-hmm. So depending on how hardcore you want to go with your veganism. Mm. Research suggests that vegan baby formula is safe for babies. But a warning, milk is a crazy awesome substance. It's so dense in everything a baby needs. Replicating it can be tricky. Don't make your own using recipes online. There are numerous stories of vegans trying to do the right thing and accidentally starving their babies. Mm. Mm-hmm. But human babies are not forced to drink milk unless, and Eloise gives you a way out, your definition of a baby is different to hers. Yay! I personally think that you could call someone a baby even if they're older than one. I even mm-hmm. know a baby who's 74 years old with his cute wisps of blonde hair and his cherub-like orange face. Who's my brave little insurgent? You are, aren't you? Yes, you are. Yes, you are. So, uh, anything for me? I'm just, you made me angry. You amused me. I, I don't, I don't like conflicting emotions. I'm amused and angry at the same time, Dan. Mission accomplished. <laughs> In fact, I do have one for you, Dan. Something you've said many times. Oh, no. In, in our relationship, in life, and on the podcast, I think this is one of your tenets of your personality, in fact. This is, this is gonna, I don't is, like where this is headed. <laughs> this is something that was brought in by Janet, listener Janet, and she points out that on many times you have mentioned that urine is sterile. Yes. And so, and we talked about it last time as well, and saying actually that not even that you talk about it, when it comes, it touches the end of the penis, yep. it stops being sterile. Mm-hmm. And, but of course, it was pointed out by one of our listeners that not only men urinate, and so it can come out of the urethra of a woman, yep. and, and therefore it can also be not sterile then. So that's the first one. But Janet points out that urine is not sterile, it's never sterile, it's never been sterile, it always has some microbiota in it. What? Yeah. So, but I make it. You, but here we go. And she sent me some facts on this. So back it all up. If you watch a lot of reality television or shows about bushcraft, you'd be forgiven for thinking that your best chance of surviving in a battle against the elements is to drink your own urine to prevent dehydration. No, no, no. Why? Wait, that's wrong. We would never say that. It's the salts. That's dumb. That's a dumb thing in an argument. I didn't even read that before. That makes me sad. After all, it's sterile. Oh my god. Who wrote? Hang on. Who wrote this? Bloody hell. Okay, yes. Okay, I'm going to talk to that person. That's mad. Anyway, the point of this is urine is that's, – that's made me angry. I didn't read the first line of this thing. It's stupid to say that. Don't drink your urine. It's full of salt. Ah. Anyway, urine is not germ-free as you may think. A European study from 2015 proves it contains a bacterial community known as microbiota that urologists now believe can be contributing to your urinary health. Low levels of bacteria will be present in the urine of healthy adults who are free of a urinary tract infection. This is because bacteria exist in our urinary tract and urine in the same way that we have good and bad bacteria in our guts. Urine is actually not sterile, says urologist Dr. Rahul Reinder from South Coast Urology in Wollongong, New South Wales. So why do people think that it's sterile? My whole life is a lie. <laughs> Your life is a lie. Why do we think it? I mean, it's, it's a lot of people think it, so why? And that's because the test for infection requires a certain bacterial load and urine doesn't hit that load ah right so the test requires 10 bacteria let's say Mm. and you only have five bacteria it 
comes up as sterile in inverted commas. So there you go. Now, what they're saying is that still means you shouldn't drink it. Don't drink it because of the bloody salt in it. And you don't drink your urine. We never said that. I'm angry about it now. They talk about peeing on a wound to wash a wound out. That's fine. Just don't store it first because it goes septic real quick, Mm. like real quick. So you can splash it on and that's fine. But then clean it off with water when you can, because water can have bacteria in it as well. So, you know, it's, it's just as bad. So unfortunately, Dan, urine at any point is not sterile because you are a filthy bag full of bacteria. And so is your urine. I shall follow the yellow walk of shame. <laughs> the yellow brick walk of shame. Follow the yellow stream road. Follow the yellow stream road. Follow, 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 follow the yellow stream road. Now, I have another one for you. Ah, oh, damn it. Eloise felt pity for me because of how, pity I, how pitiful I sounded Eloise. last time. Eloise, come on. What have I done? What so have I done? she sent a what? second one. In episode 170, she heard Greg mention Jesus being of immaculate conception. She points out that religious theology says that the Immaculate Conception was actually Mary's conception. Uh, Yes. When she was born, she was born without original sin, thus making it immaculate. And she never sinned in her life. She was chosen by God to be mother of Jesus. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so it's nothing about the magical... No, no, no. It's got to do with being born. That's because people went, so our saviour, who is God... He was made from Nookie? No, no Nookie. She was a virgin. Okay. The Holy Spirit visited upon her and boom. Okay, great. So our God was born of a sinful woman? And they're like, oh, no. And so they had to, and they created this weird thing where they went, well, actually, she was born without sin. And you're like, oh. Why? Why would anyone care about that? Why why did it matter? Because then you just go, so her mum was obviously full of sin. So that didn't matter. Like, they didn't just keep going back. But sin sin isn't passed through genetics. It's just that she, if you're born of original sin, which everyone else is. Yeah. So why does it matter then? I mean, this is a theological argument, but why does it matter then? You say Jesus, her sinful mother did not pass on the original sin to the son because he was God. Oh, yeah. Good point. So why bother? Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's, a, it's one step removed, isn't it? Who cares? Yeah. But obviously, it, I'm going to say, who cares? But there's probably a war over this. You know that they, people probably got to swords and hacked each other to pieces over this, this point of, of uh, theology. Well, my concern is that if this is the case, then this means that not only did God boink Mary in her sleep, but he'd been watching her all her life. When she was seven years old, he was looking at her going, I'm going to boink her. That's what, She'd yeah, already well, been selected. Yeah, yeah. So when she was 13, he was like, I'm going to boink her. Yeah. And then probably sometime between her being 14 and 20, he, he boinked, boinked her. Well, he sent his spirit and, down upon her, which is also him. Yeah. And, and he must have at some point had decided that she was old enough now. And he's yeah. omniscient. So yeah, yeah, yeah. he must have known the exact moment that it was ethically fine for him to boink her. He's he God. He wouldn't have even needed to wait well, just a God. little bit to allow for wiggle room because he's God and he knows all. She he does. boinked her at the exact moment it became ethically okay to boink a 14-year-old girl. Well, how old was how old was Mary? Between 14 and 20 is what uh, we, we just suspect. don't know. We don't okay, know yes. exactly. You don't know. But that well, was how fine. old we people were. We could say, therefore, that it's 18 years old and that all our laws are based on that. Yeah, but uh, at the time, people were getting pregnant between 14 and 20. 
but she was she was obviously 20 when she did it obviously otherwise our rules are weird or 18 no she could have easily been 14 in fact maybe but, even younger like because god he's not going to wait around she, he's got to get this she's got to get it started that's true. he'd yeah. already decided he just needed to wait until you know grass was on the pitch and, and he's, I'm just gonna stop! Oh God! That's not, oh my and God! He's no, the, no, no, and no, he, no, no, and no, 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 no! Like he can create stuff. He can stop. like he's the one who originally created all stop. the grass on the pitch. No, 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 Dan, no. No, my fault is God's fault. It's God's fault. Now, I'm going to point out that he's for some reason, for some reason, <laughs> this, some reason the, that story is fine. But in Breaking Dawn, I do believe Jacob Black, the werewolf. He imprints onto the new baby, and everyone's like, "That's weird," because he's going to grow up and boinker. He wants, and he's like already imprinted on her, and everyone's like, "That's sick and weird." But God did, and everyone's cool with it. So what I'm saying is, maybe they're Stephanie- not. Maybe now that we've pointed it out, people are going to be like, "You know what? I don't know whether this Christianity is for me." <laughs> or Stephanie Dude, it sounds Meyer. like a sleaze. Maybe Stephanie Meyer wrote the Bible, or one of her ancestors. Ooh. Oh, God, it even says here, I was looking at the internet, it says, last, Jacob Black is, and then it says who he was and where he was, nickname, significant other, Renee Cullen, imprinted. Oh, my God. Ooh. She's a baby. I just, I'm, I'm, it's, I'm, oh, I'm going cool. to, oh, I'm going to register now. Oh, this, they're going to check my internet. Oh, okay. no. Uh, so that's a good demonstration of when something's just wrong. If you hear uh, something just wrong on the uh, podcast and Greg uh, said it, please do uh-huh. send an email to dan at smartenough.org. And when oh, I just feel sick. When when Dan invariably just says something that's going to get us utterly utterly cancelled, then send it to Greg at smartenough.org. You have been listening to Dan at smartenough.org and Greg at smartenough.org. Get along to the website smartenough.org. You can click on any of the buttons to subscribe or follow us on social media and such. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You Not can watch Facebook anymore. <laughs> Just stop that platform. Anyway, hi. <laughs> Sorry. No, look, I'm 100% behind you on that one. Yeah, Twilight, 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 got it in my brain. It's imprinted on you. <laughs> I'm too young and pretty. Yes, Twitter. You're never is sort too of young to be imprinted on. Oh God, Twitter is where you find us mainly. And Dan and I are pretty good on it. You chat to us, we chat back. We we love it. I, I love it. I love chatting to people on Twitter and uh, either at at. Gregoire or at DNA Beast or, of course, at SE2KB. We are always delighted when you share our podcast with your friends and strangers who are interested in science, comedy, and or ignorance. Yes. But other ways that you can support us are buying a shirt on the website or dropping some money into our tip jar. Or you could become a patron. If you are a patron, then you can give us a little bit of money and we won't even acknowledge you. Or you can (laughs) give us five bucks. And we'll read your name out on the podcast. We're like a a snobby hobo. We're just sitting there panhandling, and you walk past and throw $2 in our hat. We don't even look at you. We don't even make eye contact. Snobby hobo. But we appreciate each each nickel that goes in there. That's true. If if you become a Comedy Blimp crew member by paying $5 or more, then you get your name read out on the podcast. So that includes Ilana Mitchell, Phil Holland, Lindsay Jenkinson, Elizabeth Yunkin, Andrew Potts, Steve E, Britta Rogowski, ah, damn it, I did it again, Britta Rogowski, Avi Greenbury, Ivand, I've only ever read this up until this point, uh, I, 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 Ivand, <laughs> I guess that's what that'll do, Matt Ewers, Andrew Whitehurst, Matt Toy, 
brand new, brand new patron. And I'm just completely overwhelmed by his by the single name he gave us. Andrew Whitehurst, Matthew Toy, and Gary Heather. Now, there are three other names here. Can I just say I'd like to, I'd like to say Ivan, who's one of our new patrons. We don't do it for everyone. They, uh, Ivan wrote us a an, a lovely message saying that they had gone through a hundred a hundred of the episodes, uh, and then was very excited to find out that just making sure that we weren't bad people. And after one hundred episodes, they decided that we were, weren't bad people and that that they could contribute and join the comedy blip. Uh, crew so that's what it takes were they skipping every second episode or something because i know (laughs) i've done stuff in there that's not okay and mate you know what maybe this episode's the one that really tips the the boat if ivan goes away next next month we know what happened we know exactly (laughs) what happened now there are a couple more names to read out here from comedy blimp crew members Mm -hmm. granny mcguire is giving us even more than five bucks which i only just noticed but so thank you so much Morden O'Hare, who I read out all the time, is giving us enough that they could go up to the next tier if they wanted to. If they, oh but they goodness. don't. But they obviously don't need to be humble. Yes, they don't want to be. They don't. Don't want to be picked on. Yeah, and and but the thing is, they don't even want their name called out because we do have some heart, how to stay humble members who are not getting abused anymore. They're getting a little yes. shout out. Yes. So yes. I don't know what you want, Morden. If you're happy, just having me read your name out. That's fine. Michael Barnes, he's not even a comedy blimp crew member, but he's paying us $14.50 just so he doesn't hit that tier of being abused. <laughs> he's very sensitive. But Michael. I, And I've been reading his name out because it's more than five bucks, but then I realise he's not on the comedy blimp crew. So, no. Morden no. and Michael, if you need to be... If you need anything changed, call out to me. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep calling out your name in this group. Yep. That's great. Okay. Now, finally, the top tier, we got people who are going to get abused yes. and they pay for the privilege. They do. To celebrate our, our newest segment, the insults will be metallurgical in nature. Wow. Uh, so initially, uh, thank you very much to Al Batson and Scott Driscoll for being so shiny. Aww. But the people who are to be disgraced <laughs> are to follow. <clears throat> Now, metal often gets weaker the more it's deformed or thermally shocked. Depending mm-hmm. on the form of deformation, this can be categorised into dislocation creep, Nabara her- herring creep, Harper Dawn creep, uh, but the worst type of creep is Steve Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> Harsh, okay. but fair. Mikkel Keita, you are that moment when unstacking the dishwasher that a fork tine suddenly jams under the fingernail. Oh, oh I felt that. Yeah. Oh. Yep. I think a lot of people oh. did. Oh. I'll be Michael Keated. Oh. Yeah. And oh. finally, Yuck. Tom Seary. Get bent. <laughs> so thank you very much to all of our patrons, top tier or bottom tier or anywhere in the middle. <laughs> Thank you very much, everyone. The fact, that, the fact that anyone wants to give us money is amazing, and we do appreciate it. It's 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 very humbling. So thank you. We love it. We love it. Um, I, I think I'm going to spend it, a bit of it on something really fun oh, for, for, to help me with the editing soon. It's going to be great. Oh. Now, if you simply can't get enough of us, Greg and I were both guests on the Raven On podcast, <laughs> where we were. We, just, were. we didn't talk about science very much. I mean, we always try no. to squeeze in a bit, but mostly we myself. just talked about Doctor Who. So if mm-hmm. you want to hear us talk about Doctor Who, and look, some of you don't, 
But if you do, have a look at the Raven On podcast. There's an episode yep. of that. And I think Who's there's another, Raven On? Who's Raven On? And then there is also another podcast that I'm... The same podcast, another episode that's coming out soon, where I talk about the watch and Greg turns up as well for a little I bit. I turn up at the start and then I get the heck out of Ankh-Morpork. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, there's that. It's really hard. It's really weird. They normally invite one of us or the other of us on, and, and so they, 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 they play us against each other. And that's fine. Having you there but not doing our podcast, doing and it's a different energy because... Yeah, it, well, it felt like we were both sitting on the ability to take over the podcast. We were like, it was only yes. through our good graces that we didn't completely mutiny and take yes. over. Yes, yes. And we kind of did in some parts, so... Oh, no, we're better people than that. <laughs> Pretty certain we started singing over Natalie at one point. <laughs> no, we supported her. We were the wind ah. beneath her wing. The noisy yes. wind. <laughs> the gale. The gale forced yes. wind beneath her wings. <laughs> and if it's worth listening to, go and have a listen. We'll put it in the show notes. And as we always like to say... Dance, dance, ablution! <laughs> Then you go, oh, I'm walking now. Hooray. That's what we are. We're just walking machines. We're nature's treadmill. Basically, are. Yeah. We're very, very good at it. We can walk an animal to death. <laughs> Using just the power of our buttocks. <laughs> Basically. I remember Al uh, used to take his dog for walks. And he said, yeah, I took the, I took the dog for a huge walk. And then we got into, we, he, he like walked all around Brisbane and sort of got into the city. And, he's like, and then the dog just lay down and refused to go anywhere. And I was yeah. like, oh, I can't believe that I'm actually fitter than an animal. And I realized just recently, no, that's that's our superpower. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, um, that, that dog is fu- a, f- a f- meal now. Yeah, because they can't handle it. You know, yeah. They don't have the paws. They, no, it, it tears, tears them up. I mean, dog, and... dogs have paws, but they don't have yeah. the paws. Oh, like, I see. Pause oh, for... oh, that's very good. That's very good. I wonder if the, our audience would be interested to know. So you and Greg are together and you like have a chat before the show. What do you chat about? Oh, we just talk about stories before you're on the podcast, like we're telling each other for the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sometimes, yeah. <laughs> Relating it back to our world, good. I guess. It's just, it's, it's, be- it's bedding in. No, yeah, I won't yeah, forget yeah, about yeah. them killing, I won't forget how to kill a dog now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's you, listeners. Do you want to kill a dog? Come on, to smart enough to know better. We'll tell you how to kill a dog in a way that won't be tracked by any police officer ever. It's as you easy can't. as it's... a walk in the park. <laughs> it's Granny's Peach Tea. I'm going to blow up Congress. That's a Superman joke. Oh, don't talk about blowing up Congress. Anyway, that was a whole, oh, no. Now I feel bad. Edit all that out. <laughs> it's gone. I didn't even listen the first time. <laughs> I'm led to believe that there are even some birds that can tell you how many pieces of eight you're carrying. <laughs> no, oh, damn it. No, that's not the right joke. They, 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 it should be how many pieces you're carrying. Like if it's eight pe- I Oh, no, it screwed it up. <laughs> oh, well. If only you could go back and re-record. <laughs>